Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Mile high country. Man, it happened. It finally, really, actually happened. You did it! You did it! You did did it! As head coach Michael Malone said right after, he planted his lips on that beautiful Lario, the champ is here. There you go. Awesome. Thank you. The champ is here! The champ is here! Damn right, Michael. The Denver Nuggets are finally champions of the world. It may have been a 47-year wait, but I think Denver fan would tell you this morning that last night made it worth the wait. Although I would not blame Denver fan for being too banged up this morning to remember very much about last night at all. So, if anybody needs a refresher, here's how it sounded on Nuggets Radio as the final seconds did tick off. Over to Stuart Lowry, three. That one misses. Rebound down to KCP. Eight seconds left to go. Casey's across the timeline, and he'll dribble it out. The 47-year wait is over. The Denver Nuggets stand on top of the NBA world. They are champions. And Nuggets fans from sea to shining sea can rest or die in peace. Oh, my God. I can't believe they did it. Believe it. Believe it. Hey, Denver fan, you hear that? You can now die in peace. In peace. Can rest or die in peace. What time is it? Time to die. In peace. Although you probably want to stick around and watch what this team does next because after their run through the playoffs, I'm not sure what the ceiling might be for these guys or if that ceiling even exists or if maybe the ceiling is just the roof. The ceiling is the roof. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that still makes a lot of sense. The ceiling is the roof. Anyway, what a team, what a season, and what a run through these playoffs. In fact, let me put it to you this way. The best Nuggets team ever just had the best Nuggets season ever and capped it with one of the best playoff runs that we've ever seen. Not only did the Nuggets just run 10 or run off 10 out of their last 11 games to close out that deal, their MVP could not have been any more dominant, any more unstoppable, or any more prolific. Nikola Jokic just became the first player to lead the entire playoffs in total points, rebounds, and assists. Total domination. Nobody had ever done that before. Not Mike. Not LeCap. Not Kobe. Not Kareem. Nobody had ever done that before. And all of that from a guy that you lazy hot takers said could never do any of it because he was too fat. And so what happens? He ends up doing all of it. Things that the alleged goats have never even done. So you would think that nobody would be more prepared to bask in the glory of victory and the glory of achievement and demand to know where all the haters and hot takers and pukers are now. Demand that every last one of them tell him how his ass tastes. 
like Shaq did when he won his. Or go full send bag like others who accomplished something like that. No names mentioned. La Cap. Then again, if you're expecting that from the Joker, you don't know Jack about this unicorn. In fact, he did just the opposite, saying that he really didn't do anything at all. Despite doing things that had never been done before, he feels like he really didn't do anything at all. Now you are an NBA champion, Nicola. How does that feel? It's good. It's good. The job is done. We can go home now. (laughs) Congratulations, Mike. It's good. Just another day at the office. Hey, big fella. I mean, this dude. It's like he was looking around for his time card so he could punch out and beat the traffic home. The man treated clinching a finals, something that had never been done in the history of that franchise, like he was at a 9-to-5. A 9-to-5 that he doesn't even like that much. And he kept up that performance for the entire postgame last night. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody win something so significant, yet be so nonchalant about it in my entire life. Oh, and I love it. Don't get it twisted. I love it. For once, Joker made me laugh more than his brothers. For once, Joker off the court was just as entertaining as Joker on the court. He was already in get-me-the-hell-out-of-here mode when he got some more bad news, some really bad news on the postgame podium. I mean, you don't want to tell this guy this. This was the worst possible time for somebody to deliver this news to him. News being, Joker, there is also a parade. You can't leave yet. Dude, they need you at the parade. Um, You said after the Lakers win, you said you were surprised that you didn't feel more. So I'm curious what you are feeling right now and if you're looking forward to a parade coming up in Denver. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. (laughs) I need to go home. (laughs) Okay. Uh. This dude, I could not love this guy anymore. Like that's news to him. He didn't even know. When is parade? When is parade? No. No, I need to go home. I need to go home. (laughs) Okay. Who who doesn't want to attend a championship parade? Name me one person in the history of the world that's ever been invited to or a part of a championship parade that didn't want to go to a championship parade, not named the Joker. Uh... Dude, you're the guest of honor. You're the reason there is a parade. When Uh, is parade is one of my favorite lines ever. And just behind that is the line, no. Seriously. I'm going to pull that at home. Because I know there's going to be another graduation party. Dodger Jano is going to hit me with that. Uh, You know, we have this thing, this graduation party. And I'm going to say, when is graduation party? When is parade? And Dr. Jana will be Sunday. And I will follow that with, when is graduation party? When is parade? Sunday. No. 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 Seriously. You really can't tell if the dude just won an uh, NBA championship or just got kicked in the stick. He doesn't sound like he just finished a life's journey 
to the very top of the basketball world. He sounds like his dog just ran away from home. He's like, you guys can do your little parade that I knew nothing about, but no, I'm good. I'm good. Pass. I mean, I want to be polite about this, but hard pass. I need to get the hell out of here as soon as humanly possible. So then it just continues. Then he goes on to the NBA TV desk and elaborates on why he's in such an enormous rush to get home to Serbia, and I love the reason. Next week or two look like for you now. you got a parade coming up here on Thursday. Yes. How soon till you're back in Sambor? I need to. On Sundays, I have my horse racing. In my horse, horse racing? Horse racing. Horse <laughs> I was going to get to that, the horse we'll racing. Get to that. Maybe. I don't know how we're going to arrive. Thursday, parade. Friday, maybe. Would you make I'm, it? I don't know. I'm maybe maybe ask, you can have enough time to squeeze it in? I'm going to ask Josh to... Give me a, give me a, give me a plane. Oh, I think, I think you, I think yeah, he'll, I, I, he'll I, definitely I, let you get the team plane. I think you deserve I, that. You deserve a little more than that. I did it on TV. I, I'm gonna finish by. Uh, by I put him under the pressure. Put yes, him under pressure. Yes, I did. Nicole, yeah, I, I don't feel bad at all. This dude's the greatest. You know what I love too? Like the greatest team guy ever. But he, he's putting his horse ahead of his team, he, or at least he's putting his horse ahead of the parade. As a horse guy, I love that. I love that. Like, he doesn't want to miss the race. And any horse owner could tell you and can relate to that. I don't feel bad at all. Joker should not feel bad at all. I don't feel bad at all. And the least the team could do is let him borrow the jet to make sure that he gets there on time. I just can't get over where this dude's head was at. He just won his first championship, his first finals MVP. He's going to go down as an all-time great. He's already in the Hall of Fame. He's, well, he's not, but he is. He's going to go down as an all-time great, and yet in that moment, he's more focused on his horse running in Serbia than any of that. It's almost like being the best basketball player in the world. Wait for this. It's almost like being the best basketball player in the entire world is his side hustle. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. It's wild. Oh, and about that finals MVP, the dude basically looked at the trophy, shrugged, and walked away. I have never seen a post-championship performance this, this aloof. And I mean that in the best way possible. I couldn't love it anymore. Check out what his reaction to his phone was when he saw Novak Djokovic, another, a.k.a. the other Serbian Joker, having an amazing week, had texted to congratulate him. Listen to this reaction. I congratulations. I'm going to see the huge destiny, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, oh, mom, my f- how many texts you have? Nick? A lot, a lot. I know, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna turn off the phone. The guy's kind of like, I'm gonna turn off the planet. Would you all? I mean this very nicely. Can you please leave me alone? Can I go be with the coolest brothers ever, mine? 
And can we just leave? We did the job. We're done. It's not that big of a deal. Like, this dude's whole post-game attitude was essentially, leave me alone. Get me the hell out of here. Meanwhile, my guy, Michael Malone's vibes were the absolute opposite. I have never seen that dude so happy. I'm not sure that dude has ever been that happy. Because the dude essentially is never satisfied. That's his whole thing. That's what makes him great. He pushed them as hard as he could without losing them. The man did an incredible job. Remember, he ripped their effort, not just to their face, but to the entire world in the middle of the finals. And here's the best part, Nuggets fan. He's not done. He's not done. In fact, from the sounds of things, it sounds like Michael Malone and his Nuggets are just getting started. You know, um, Pat Riley uh, said something many years ago. I used to have it up on my board when I was a head coach in Sacramento, and I talked about the evolution uh, in this game and how you go from a nobody to an upstart. And you go from an upstart to a winner, and a winner to a contender, and a contender to a champion. And the last step is after a champion is to be a dynasty. So we're not satisfied. We accomplished something this franchise has never done before, but we have a lot of young, talented players in that locker room. And I think we just showed through 16 playoff wins um, what we're capable of on the biggest stage in the world. That's my dude. You've heard him on this show numerous times. I think he's taken some heat over the years. Totally undeserved. And they did earn every one of those steps. And how ironic that those steps are Pat Riley's steps. He ripped Ryle's playbook, and then he ran it on him. You know, I've got a take on the heat. In fact, a few takes on the heat. And all the hot takers puking all over themselves right now about the heat because that's what hot takers do. I'll get to that a little bit later on. But Nugget fan, Mile High Country, for the first time ever, the champ is here. The champ is here. Champ is here. Champ is here. And it would not surprise me at all if that champ were here to stay. Again, just don't tell Joker that because he needs to get home to Serbia. No. I need to go home. (laughs) Okay. What parade? Uh. No. I just love no. No, no, dude. The parade is mandatory. The parade is not optional. No. No. The only one looking less forward to the parade than the Joker is John Morant. Because Ears said that the hammer is coming after the finals. Well, here we are. Here Here the bleep we are. Hopefully Adam does not let this guy twist for too long or string it out for too long. So Nugget fan, what's up? It was only 47 years. You've only waited your entire lifetime. How does it feel? Does it feel the way you thought it would feel? How hungover are you right now? Are you still drunk right now? The job is done. We can go home now. Come on, man. Get up in here. Part of the reason you don't get that national run is because you're Denver and you're tucked away to a certain extent. Well, I'm offering you national run. I'm offering you a national platform. How does it feel? And Nuggets fans from sea to shining sea can rest or die in peace. Oh, my God. 
I can't believe they did it. You can rest or die in peace, Nugget fan. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. We are joined by George Kittle. George, what's up? How you doing, George? Jim, how are we doing today, man? Good, dude. I am great. How about you? I am having a great time. You kidding me? We're a week out from tight in you. Look at this. Look at all my like my little background. I was up all night creating this. Put on my <laughs> wall just for you. Dude, I love it, man. Good looking out. And and I know that's just for me. I appreciate that so much. Hey, George, really quickly, yeah. before we talk about Tide and you, talk to me for a minute about the offseason. How did it treat you in the sense that physically were you able to do all the things that you wanted to do? And also, did you get some time to rest, recover, and rejuvenate? Yeah, uh, I was able to do both. You know, I usually spend uh, as soon as the season ends. I take like two to four weeks to myself with my wife and, you know, just get my mind right, let the body recover a little bit. Um, and then by the time I start training in early March, I'm ready to roll, uh, get myself prepared for, you know, train March, April, get ready for the OTA spring football stuff. But uh, yeah, by that time, I'm itching to go back to football, which is a good feeling to still have. Uh, I know some guys are like, oh, I want the offseason to be longer. And while, you know, we could all go for an extra month or so once in a while. Uh, I'm definitely ready to play football again. And so this uh, last month that we have away, going to use that time to, uh, you know, just get my body in the best shape possible and be ready to go for training camp. George Kittle joining us. One quick sidebar. You actually had what I'm hoping was an amazing experience last month when you hung with Keanu Reeves at a music festival in Napa. Like a lot of other guys, I'm a huge John Wick guy. Did you get much time with him and what's he like to hang with? Oh, my gosh. See, that's the best question of the day, man. Keanu, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, he was on stage. It's like uh, it was a culinary stage, right? So he performed. I went to his show. And then him and his band were on, like, the culinary stage and interaction thing with fans. And one of the guys on stage said my name, and I just happened to be backstage. And I ran up on stage because I was like, I'm not going to miss a chance to meet Keanu. And I got to meet him. Uh, he's 10 times cooler than I thought he was going to be. And he's 10 times nicer than I thought he was going to be. And I thought he was going to be both those things already. Uh, he was incredible. Uh, the, honestly, the coolest thing about him was, so we got off stage and I asked him, Hey, what are you doing after this? He's like, you know, we're going to the late show. And then uh, we got to catch a flight out of here. What are you doing? I said, we're going to leave here early, go back to our Airbnb, hang out with our friend group, you know, just kind of hang out with the boys. And he goes, there's nothing like going to your safe space and hanging out with the boys. And I was like, oh, dude, I want to hang out with you so bad. Please come hang out with us. He didn't, but it's just fun to know that someone like Keanu has a similar mindset to all of us. That's it. He's a dude. He's a dude. That's like the best thing ever. Like you never, ever want to meet one of your idols and have it go badly, but to have it go that well and find out he's just a dude, that is absolutely awesome. George Kittle joining us. So last year, the Niners won the NFC West. They made it to the conference championship game. That's three times in four years, George. Like these things are really, really hard to do. I'm curious, when you look back, do you view the season then as a success or because of who you play for and the organization, is every single season viewed through the lens of Super Bowl or bust? Um, I would think 
I think there are people, uh, definitely there are fans who are thinking it's Super Bowl or bust. Um, you know, we definitely have a team that is talented enough to win a Super Bowl. We have since 2019, and we haven't won one. Like you said, we played in a Super Bowl, three NFC Championship games. We lost two of those. Um, and so, yeah, our goal is to win a Super Bowl, and we have not achieved that. But, um, you know, I think winning 13 uh, games a season, that's still good football, and I'd rather be doing that than, uh, you know, losing games because my first two seasons – uh, we won four, four or five games, and so I'm enjoying not doing that. But, no, we, we definitely have, you know, we have to push it over the edge to get that win in the Super Bowl. Um, and last year, you know, I get asked about, you know, Eagles game and stuff like that. And, um, no, it's not really a, a loss that lingers on me at all. Um, you know, we played over half the, you know, we played half the game without a quarterback, which is the most uh, important position in sports. So, um, you know, that is what it is, and, we're just, it's kind of life sometimes. It just kind of kicks you when you're down and then kicks you again just to make sure you stay down. But, hey, with the San Francisco 49ers, we're going to get right back up. We have a talented roster, and we're going to be ready to go go this year. And I know teams aren't going to really want to play us sometimes. Yeah, it's it's awfully hard to point the finger at anybody or – well, I could say anybody or anything, but I could point the finger at something. It might be a part of the game. Nobody's going to feel badly for you. But if you lose your quarterback that early in a game that important, obviously that's going to have a really detrimental effect. What about the quarterback situation? Like Brock Purdy, he's pressed into action, George. This guy was absolutely incredible last year. A different cat to be sure. He's trying to come back from elbow surgery. So you've been catching passes once again at OTAs from Trey Lance. Trey Lance went down early last year. How different does Trey Lance look to you right now than a year ago? Um, I think Trey looks a lot different. I think his confidence in himself, um, he has like this calmness to him in the huddle. He looks like he's having fun again uh, and he's healthy. And so like, those are three things that are, are good for the Niners. I know I'm really excited too. this OTA's practice, the last day of mini camp. Uh, me and Trey connected like on a 60 yard touchdown down the sideline, a little box fade around the linebacker, threw it away from the safety perfectly in the bread basket, was able to catch it in stride for a touch. And, and that was a route that training camp last year we kind of struggled to connect with. And so, just his you could see he's progressed since last season. And then that's all I'm asking for. You know, you, you, I was asked the same question last year Hey, how's Trey Lance look? And my answer is always, he, he just needs reps. That's all it is. He's got a high ceiling. And he, just the more reps he gets, the better he's going to be. And so it's exciting to see that he's has taken steps, uh, you know, forward. He's progressed. And, you know, I think that's just good news for the Niners. Yeah, and George, one more thing about him before we talk about tight end you. Also confidence, right? I mean, it, it's such a fragile thing, even for the best athletes ever. When you don't have it, like nothing is going well. But if you're Trey Lance and you have confidence now and you feel good about yourself, how much different does that make him as a player? And then when he's throwing off that vibe, how much better does that make the group when he's feeling good about himself? Oh, it's a it's a total game changer. When you have a quarterback step into the huddle because he's the only guy that talks in the huddle and he comes in there with like uh, an assertive confidence, you can feel that energy coming off of them. And then when you're in a huddle with a quarterback that's confident, it makes you more confident. Like, oh, he's going to throw me the best ball. I'm going to catch that. I'm going to score a touchdown. And it's just like you can hear this energy come out, like come out uh, off their, you know, off their voice. And when it's positive and it has this, you know, confidence to it, it just it elevates the whole huddle and it elevates the whole team. Because when your quarterback is, you know, balling, it elevates the whole team. You look at you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Eagles. When their quarterback is confident, you can hear their mic'd ups. You see them on the field and stuff. Their whole team vibes off of their energy. 
And that's what you need. And I'm not going to say like, I can bring energy every day. Chris McCaffrey can bring energy. Fred Warner can bring energy. But at the end of the day, the quarterback position is the most important position. And so you need that guy to have confidence in himself and confidence in his team. And that's how you win games. No, especially. And it's going to affect the entire culture. I'd say not even of the offense, but the entire team, all three units, facility. If that guy is expecting good things to happen every single day, then you're not coming off the field a loser very often. All right, George, really quickly, what about tight end you? I love it. I love the concept. This is the third time you've done it. For those who do not know, how did this thing come together? Whose idea was it? Well, so... Uh, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and every every offseason I train with about eight to ten NFL tight ends. And I met Greg Olson when he played for the Seattle Seahawks at the end of his career. And after the season, I just hit him up. I was like, hey, Greg, would you mind coming down here and teaching us a thing or two uh, about tight ends? And he was like, well, why don't we invite more guys and we'll make it like a thing? And we're like, oh, that's a great idea. And then we asked Travis if he was interested. And Travis was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And so me, Greg Olson, Travis Kelsey put our big football brains together, you know, had a great time, had a great idea. And what we thought was going to be like 20 guys ended up being 50 the first year. We had 50 guys come to Nashville. We're at high school. Did our, our whole tight end you there. Uh, second year, we got up to 85 NFL tight ends, came to Vanderbilt University. And a huge shout out to Vanderbilt for just, you know, letting us use their football facilities. They're incredible. Um, and then this, this year, I think we're at 75 right now. And we also have 40 wives and girlfriends coming. Uh, my wife puts on a whole, uh, you know, whole thing for them, wine tastings, uh, gift bags, the whole experience, luncheons. It's pretty cool. You know, with the tight ends, it's just it's really cool because you bring 75 guys in, you talk football, you show them tape, you show them mindset. Hey, I'm Travis Kelsey. When you watch my tape, you might know what I'm doing. But here's what I'm thinking when I run a 12 yard basic route against quarters versus man coverage versus one plug versus uh, cover three. And so now you can put his thoughts to the tape. And so next time you watch Travis Kelsey's tape. You're like, oh, that's why he did that. I know that because he explained that to me. Or, hey, you're going to watch George Kittle run outside zone. Hey, here's where his first two steps were. This is what he was thinking. This is why he blocked this one a little bit different than last time. And so it just gives guys an opportunity to, like, ask questions to guys who are playing at a high level and see why they're doing the things the way that they're doing. And because all we're doing at the end of the day is we're trying to build a brotherhood. And so guys are comfortable talking to other NFL tight ends throughout the season and uh, just trying to elevate the tight end play. Because at the end of the day, if every single tight end is elevating their play and playing at a high level, then uh, guys like Travis Kelsey won't be making half as much money as guys that he's probably better than. And, you know, that's the thing that you know, I stand on that. And um, So those are our big things about tight end you. And so we're just excited about bringing everybody to town. So one quick thought. I, I really appreciate that. You answered my next question. I was going to say, it seems counterintuitive. Guys are so careful about guarding information, but you're not. And you just explained why. Really quickly. Do you talk, you mentioned mindset. Do you guys break down mindset? How do you approach mindset at tight end you? What do you talk about? So that's actually, that's a good question because we kind of like, we were kind of touching on it the, uh, last year. And our biggest thing for feedback was we had about 30 guys right back said, I want to know what your mindset is going into a game week, going into a game, going into a specific rep. Like, hey, I have to beat man coverage on third down. I have a six step slant what is your mindset beating that? And so that's going to be a main focal point this year. And um, just talking, like, breaking it down. And so that, that's a big thing I was talking about. Travis was talking about his mindset on routes. I'm going to be talking about my mindset in the run game. It's fun, too. We have uh, Gronk is coming this year, and he's going to talk about whatever he wants to talk about, whether it's yak or mindset or how to have fun. And then my other big favorite that we're bringing in is uh, Jordan Reed is going to come in and talk releases and why he did some of the releases that he did to get leverage on certain routes. And so we're just trying to give, we're trying to add tools to every Titans tool belt. So they feel confident in their abilities going out there, whether it's a first time run play, a 
second down play action or a third down. I got to win this route to win the game. And that's what that's the big uh, that's the big game plan this year. It is a great idea. It's another great conversation. George Kittle, co-founder of the Titan University this week or this year. It's in Nashville, Tennessee. In fact, next June 20, or I should say the 20th through the 22nd. You know what I'm trying to get at. George, that's exactly what it is. George, listen, really appreciate you. Appreciate the conversation. Great to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much. Jim, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? A player profile with a former champ, a vet. Of 11 smackoffs, a theatrical clone who has been a consistent contributor since the very moment he burst onto the jungle scene over a decade ago. Today, Mark in Hollywood gets the profile treatment. Mark in Hollywood by way of Philly, that is. And this is Mark's entire vibe in a nutshell. He is a performer, he's a scrapper. He's not afraid to bring some showmanship to it. And he's not afraid to climb a Criscoed light pole or hammer toss a Grey Goose empty or fling a dollar hot dog or a diesel battery or boo Santa. He's got Philly fan in him. This is what makes him dangerous. As we all heard firsthand when he blew up in here on Friday and he hit us with a topical RSVP. So, Jim, this is my official RSVP, but... Let's be honest with each other. Can you say with absolute certainty that if the Saudis rolled up on you and offered to sponsor the smack-off, you turned them down? Hell no, you wouldn't. Business is business. Picture this. Smack-off 2024. All right, the bell rings. The song Arabian Nights from Aladdin drops. Then announcer guy comes in. Live from Saudi Arabia, this is the Jim Rome Show, Smack Off 30. Please don't ask us about our human rights record. Jim, I can taste that $500 million prize money right now. And besides, no one is going to call you a hypocrite if you sell out, all right? It's not like you're Jay Monahan and you made some self-righteous speech saying, you know, when I think about the family of bitch-ass Mike and Indy and how disappointed they are in him for being a scared coward who cried like a hoe and quit. Or when I think about the family of Jeff in Richmond because he tripped over his one foot and fell on his family, flattening them like pancakes. There's no way I could ever do business with the Saudis. See you on the 30th, Jimmy. Oh, that call had a family. This dude is good. This dude is damn good. And nobody is safe when he calls. Clearly not even me. Especially not me. But Mark spreads it around. For example, nobody is more likely to call here right before we break for the holidays and channel that holiday spirit into brutally ripping pretty much every single other smack-off rival than he has. Because Mark has done that as well. Do, 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 do. Put the, put 
I don't want a lot for Christmas, just a few wishes for some clones. Rick and Buffalo's fat fish head, choking on a turkey bone. Matt in L.A., please lose this number, go free base off a silver spoon. Jeff and Richmond, please release that family. Kidnapping is a category felony, too. I just want to be drunk like Slurome. I just want to find Ira a home. Make my dreams come true. You bitch-ass clones are all trash. Screw you. Screw you. I don't like the weird-ass threads. Tweeted by the JTP, Drew in L.A. and Chris in St. Pete, you'll never be Marigold told me. The XR4TI looks shady, like guys that go to a strip club buffet. Romy, did you hire while drunk? Did you have too many Mickey Ultras that day? Brad and Corona has those crabs. Left and Laguna has a big ass. Make my dreams come true. You bitch ass clones are all trash. Screw you. Theatrical as hell. What's better? I mean, seriously, what's better? And then sometimes he spreads it around and sometimes he locks in on one single target, which is how he won his only smack off back in 2013. When he teamed up with Siri to take an extended run at Mike in Indy. Hey, Siri, how did your date go with the Mike in Indy? It was the worst date I have had in my five years of existence. God, a little bit dramatic, a little bit uh, harsh, but okay. Uh, Well, Siri, how was the conversation during dinner? Did he have any good rap? I wouldn't know. His mother sat at the same table as we did. Wait, what? Siri, what? I said, his mother sat at the table, fixed his hair, wiped his mouth, and pulled a LeBron James and cut his steak into tiny pieces for him. Cut his steak into pieces? Well, Siri, I mean, wasn't that awkward at all? If by awkward, you mean, was it weird when his mother kept asking me if I was going to, quote, put out, then yes, Mark. It was extremely awkward. <laughs> Jim, now, yo, Jim, I'm going to wrap this up. This is only going to get worse before it gets better. What happened when the bill came? He got alligator arms. Well, that actually doesn't really surprise me. And Siri, how did the date end? They dropped me off, and then he called me to see if I had a good time. Oh, well, that was nice of him. That's gentlemanly. Siri, when he called you, what did you say? I said... I don't like that call. That's not a bad call. All right, all right, I get it. Listen, say what you will about that bit. Some will say that aged pretty well. Some will say that it aged terribly. But the point is, at that time, I mean, context, yo, context. The other point is, he's not afraid to try something different. He's not afraid to get creative with it. This is what makes him so dangerous. Check out this stunt that he pulled in his smack-off call back in 2016. But, Jim, you know, the other topic that's really been pissing me off this year is that every single time you have Sports Illustrated's Lee Jenkins on, my Twitter blows up with clones saying, wow, why is Jim interviewing Mark in Hollywood about the NBA? Look, I repeat, I do not. I do not sound like Lee Jenkins. All right, that's the most ridiculous, outlandish, unfounded... Hey, 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 Mark, just a minute here. Wait, wait a minute. (laughs) 
Lee Jenkins from Sports Illustrated. You got it, bud. Lee, I'm kind of in the middle of something here, man. What's going on? Well, I heard you saying we don't sound alike, and I'm here to tell you we sound a lot alike, man. No, we don't. Yes, we do. No, we don't. Okay, Mark, say smack off 22. 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 Smack off. Oh, there it is. This dude. So the dude has all the tools to rip another strap, clearly. The only thing missing is the fact that his best calls have not been coming day of of late. In fact, his RSVP calls lately have been better than his smack-off calls. After what he did on Friday, I'm slightly concerned that it might happen again this year because the call on Friday was that good. Mark, do not let that happen again. Don't let it happen this time. If you bring your best on the 30th, there's no doubt in my mind that your best can beat the field's best. I've heard your best, but it's going to take your best. It's going to take your top level. I don't necessarily need a player profile. I get profiled enough if you see me working. No one likes us. No one likes us. No one likes us. We don't care. We're from Philly. No one likes us. We don't care. Give me those spin doctor tickets, Jim. Little bitch, little bitch, little bitch left is gone. He's on that dirty mattress, and he'll be there all night long. You're welcome for this content, bitch. In West Philadelphia, born and raised, but you'll never catch me wearing blue and maize. It's 9.52, and Michigan still sucks. Left and Laguna should give a lecture on how to not overcompensate due to micro-penis syndrome. So later on tonight, I'm going to give my girl my Philly special if you see me working. Rick, I know you've done so much toot that your eyes look like Edwin Moses and your beak looks like Artie Lang's, you faux-ass bitch. You're all gimmicked out, fat Adam Silver. Yo, Portland woman. What up, Wookiees? Bro, you were at Beverly Hills. You didn't holler at your boy? I knew you were busy. Come on, man. We could have went to get our... Faces carved together, Botox shots together. Yo, next time you come up, yo, holler at your boy. James Kelly, as a fellow member of Big Dome Nation, I got your back, homie. Ain't nothing wrong with you. I'd rather have a big dome than look like a bald, wrinkly, newly born Benjamin Button. And I'm going to be bringing back the crown to the land. Hollywood land. Yo, yo, get me out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Telling you, this dude's got a body of work now. This dude's got a lot of game, a lot of skill, a lot of talent, and a body of work. He's got to put it all together once again on the big day. Mark in Hollywood. Let me run down this resume. Ten top tens. Five top fives. A runner-up. And a strap. And we already know that he will be there on the 30th because he already told us. Now we just need to know that he brings his best day of. Mark in Hollywood makes it a hell of a lot better. We are joined right now by Jahan Dotson. Jahan, really nice to have you on. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Good, dude. Good. So let me jump right into it. I want to ask you about last year because I mentioned you had 35 receptions, but to me, the numbers are really misleading in the sense that you missed five games, you were limited in other games, and yet you still led the team with seven TD receptions, and you averaged under 15 yards per catch, barely. So these are really good numbers. How would you describe your rookie season? What did it feel like to you? Yeah, you know, it was a a big learning experience. You know, I got the get my first year in the NFL under my belt. And, you know, I was really just trying to come in and, and make plays for our team anytime we needed a playmate. Um, 
I was able to, to become a, a very reliable red zone target early in the season. You know, a, a hamstring injury really set me back a little bit. And when I came back, I kind of had to reestablish myself in the offense. And um, I was able to do that towards the towards the end of the season, as I did in the beginning of the season. And I was able to rack up some touchdowns, uh, rack up the yards. But, you know, I was just trying to be a spark guy, uh, be be the guy that when we need to play and we need to get the offense going, I was that guy. But uh, this year, looking into year two, I'm, I'm trying to be an every-down guy, play uh, all 17 games this year and make sure that I'm not missing opportunities to become better, you know, better myself as a football player because every time I step on the field, I feel like I'm getting better. And um, I'm having a more understanding for the game. I like that. John Dotson joining us. You know, you mentioned the hamstring injury. Those are always tricky. They can certainly linger. So physically, were you able to do everything that you needed to do this offseason to get your work in? And then where are you at physically right now? Yeah, you know, I, this offseason was a – it was really big for me to make sure that, you know, I'm at a playing weight where I feel comfortable, uh, where I feel my fastest, I feel my strongest. Um, and. You know, I just feel like I'm I'm ready to to make plays. You know, and I'm, I feel like I was able to do that this off season. Uh, I feel great. I feel like I'm in the best shape I've ever been in, honestly. Um, and knowing knowing having that injury under my belt, um, making sure that you know I prevent those things from happening before they happen. I, I've been talking to my my uh, person, my personal trainer who I work with, and you know, he's saying you know let's just be proactive instead of reactive. You know, make sure we stay on top of things. Uh, before something even pops up. So that's been a big emphasis this offseason and, and making sure that, you know, I, I stay ready. John Dotson joining us. Obviously, it's so early, but things are different, right? You've got a new offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy. So I'm curious how different, and things are still pretty early on, but how different do you expect things to be in a new system with somebody new dialing up plays? What are your expectations? Yeah, you know, I, it, it's going to be a big difference. You know, anytime you're you're learning a, a new a new entire system you know it's going to be a big difference um it's kind of like learning the language uh everyone speaks the same language but you know they just they just call it different things different verbiage so um, we're just trying to get comfortable with the playbook uh so that way i'm able to play fast you know and, and play loose uh, that's the biggest thing about about this game of football you know being able to play fast at all times and just be loose out there and be yourself so uh, that's what that's what we're really trying to do this this off season, making sure that we can get right into the season. All right, so being fully transparent, I have not spoken to Eric Bieniemy in a number of years. I used to, believe it or not, I've done this long enough, I used to interview him as a player, so I knew him back <laughs> in the day. And, dude, I always thought he was a strong presence. Like, I love this dude. I love this dude. Now, when I say strong presence, that's code for old school. He will coach guys hard. Is that something you appreciate? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, having, having Coach Bieniemy – uh, here with us, you know, is I'm truly grateful for it because you know he's gonna bring the best out of you as a player. Uh, like you said, he he's gonna coach you hard, uh, whether you like it or not. You know, he he yells. Um, that's just his way about going at things. You know, that's his way of of you know showing you that he cares. Uh, and that, that's what you want in a coach. You want someone who cares. You want someone who's gonna push you to your limits. Um, and and make sure that he gets everything everything out of you. Make sure he gets the best out of you because it's only gonna help you at the end of the day when when he's not there, you know, uh, you're going to learn how to play hard every single play, every single snap. Uh, so, you know, it's been great having him. Uh, I'm truly grateful to have such a, a great mentor. John Dotson joining us. You also have the opportunity to play alongside and share the receiver room with one of my favorite guys in the NFL, Terry McLaurin. How much have you learned already from watching the way he works, the way he prepares, the way he leads, and the way he plays? 
Yeah, a lot. You know, I've, in this in this short year, you know, I've learned a tremendous amount from from Terry. You know, uh, he the the main thing that I've learned from him is, is just how to be a leader. You know, how to be a professional and how to be a leader. How to lead a group a group of men. You know, our receiver room is very young, um, but he he does a great job just being a leader, being a vocal guy, uh, leading by example, uh, making sure that he comes to work every single day prepared and ready to work. You know, and when you when you see your leader and the the guy who makes the plays on Sundays. When you see a guy doing that, you know, it makes you just want to go even harder. So uh, I, I truly commend him. I'm, I'm super grateful just to have someone like that in my, my early years of my career learning from uh, because it is, I feel like it's really going to help me towards the end of my career. You know, I'll be honest with you, man. You're only in your second year, but you sound like you're much deeper into it than that. And you already yeah. have that professional mentality. You know, Terry made his first Pro Bowl last year, and he's had three straight 1,000-yard seasons. So how do you think, and I know it's early, but how do you think you and he stack up with some of the other elite receiver combinations around the NFL? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think we're, we're up there with the best duos in, in the league. Um, just because of our versatility on the field, being able to, to play anywhere on the field and, and make plays and counter off each other, uh, you can't, you can't really. I feel like you can't really double uh, one or the other. You know, if you double him, I feel like I'm gonna go crazy. If you double me, he's definitely gonna go crazy. So, you know, it's really cool to have someone like that, a counterpart like that. So it's always challenging when you play the first year because you make the adjustment and then you deal with some injuries and then. By the way, you've got three different quarterbacks that you played with last season. That's not easy either. It looks like Sam Howell might be the guy atop the depth chart right now. Does it feel like that situation will be more settled overall this year? And how has he looked so far in OTAs? Yeah, you know, I think I think we, we got our quarterback situation settled. I think Sam Howell is going to be our guy. You know, I have complete faith in him. Uh, he He's a guy who, who I, always, I always say this, you know, he makes, he makes throws look super effortless on the field. Um, he, he's been a great leader. Uh, he's learning how to how to lead an NFL offense. Um, he, he's just learning the ropes just as we are, you know, uh, being in a new offense. So I'm super excited for him. You know, I, I can't wait to get out there and just make plays for him and make his, make his life and his job easier as easy as possible. So, you know, I can't wait for it. Hey, John, one more thing about – I want to ask you about your family for a minute because one of the NFL's best initiatives is the My Cause, My Cleats campaign. And last season, you wore cleats displaying the logo of the American Cancer Society to honor your mother, Robin, who is a cancer survivor. What did having that opportunity to recognize your mom and all she has done for you represent to you? What was that like? Yeah, you know, I, I truly didn't know about the, the My Cause, My Cleats thing uh, before I got into the NFL. So when I heard about that week, you know, the first thing that came to my head was my mom, you know. Uh, she, she's, she's my rock. She's who I do it for. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a mama's boy. I look just like my mom. Uh, you know, I would give everything for my mom. So, you know, being able to represent her doing the thing that I love to do most, um, and that's play football, uh, it, was, it was truly special to me being able to wear her uh, as, I'm, as I'm making plays uh, it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it this year. You know, it, it's a chance that I, I get to show, show the world and recognize my mom and, and the, the hardship that she had to go through. You know, I try to be by her side every, every single step of the way, and I know it's hard. But, you know, uh, being, being able to recognize her 
represent her uh, doing what I love to do most was definitely pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is such a challenging thing. My father had cancer. We lost him to cancer, so I know what you're dealing with. But to be able to recognize her, and I know that she is as much of an inspiration to you as you are to her, so that's a great, great thing. Wide receiver for the Commanders. He's entering his second season, coming off a productive first season. Jahan Dotson, my guest. Jahan, really nice to have you on. Looking forward to doing it again. Thanks for making time today. Have a great day. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. A very simple message that I have for a lot of you. Don't be lazy. Don't be flabby. Now, that could be a message that I could have every single day of the week for a lot of you. But I really want to emphasize that today. Do not be bleeping lazy today. I say that because today is a very convenient day to be lazy, especially in the hot take nation of sports. You see, when one team is eliminated in a championship game or a series, that particular team is a very easy target for hot lava takers, for hot take nation. That's their oxygen. That's what they survive on. You know, the typical lazy, not enough heart. The moment was too big for X player or X coach. It's lazy. You know, it may be fair in some cases, but in most it's not. It's lazy, and it's straight up the kind of garbage that is created and fuels hot takers and people looking to get others to look at them and talk about them. So, again, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy and start jumping in the flames with your gas cans and your blue tips and start coming for the Miami Heat and their culture and, in particular, Hemi Butler. Don't do Don't that. Do that. Don't, Don't do that. that. Right. Do Where not do that. Don't yeah, do I know that. they lost. Yeah, oh, they lost. There's our topic. There's our hot take for the day. Let's find the highest rooftop that we can find, get up on top, and scream as loud as we possibly can about their star player, about their coach, about their organization, about their culture. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not doing that, nor am I allowing that about that team on this program. Straight up. The 2022-23 Miami Heat, in my book, were one of the greatest stories of overachievement in the history of sport. Now, the hot takers will say, you know why that is? Because they were the biggest underachievers in the history of the regular season. To which I would say, no, they're not. Nobody gives a damn about the regular season. How important can the regular season be if that team could come in as an eighth seed? Why should they kill themselves in the regular season when they can enter the postseason as an eighth seed in the East? All right? Plenty of teams are treating the regular season that way. But we're talking about an eighth seed that had to get through the play-in tournament they lost their first game. They were in grave danger of losing their second game. And by the way, look at their roster. Look at that roster. This is a story about heat culture. Heat culture. Heat culture, which is real. A brilliant coach, which is already one of the best ever. And players who have been undervalued and overlooked their entire careers. And even their star player. In fact, most notably their star player, Hemi, Hemi Butler, a top 10 player in the NBA. I'm serious. What team ever has overachieved more than this Heat team has? Serious question. 
Look at that roster. You tell me once again who has gotten more out of any team that had a chance to win anything than Eric Spolstra has this team. And no, no, now is not the time to say, hey, Rome, way to embrace your inner Giannis. Hey, Rome, hypocrit- hypocritical much? You're no better than LaFib. Everybody's a winner, hey? Hey, Rome, is today participation trophy day? No wise asses. That's not my take. That's not what I'm saying. I'm also not trying to be the tennis reporter who tried to convince Rafa that he actually won when he didn't. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hi. Um. Hi. No, no, no. I'm well aware what the scoreboard says. I'm well aware that the scoreboard says Denver four games, Miami one game. I understand that they lost in five games. The Nuggets are rightfully world bleeping champions. The Nuggets are a far superior team. They are. But just remember, one year ago, and this is my point about being lazy and flabby and opening up your mouth and having a bunch of diarrhea come floating out. Remember a year ago, when the Joker didn't have a team around him worthy of title contention. The very same lava throwers were coming at him saying he's not built for it. He pads stats in the regular season. You know, he pads his own gut. Look at him. He's not good enough to lead a team to a champion. Championship. Remember all that nonsense. Yeah, well, those very same people a year later are coming for playoff Jimmy right now. And no, I'm not saying Himmy is as good of a player as Nikola Jokic is. No one in the NBA is right now. But to think that Himmy is not good enough to lead a team to a championship is asinine. Because people are saying that today. The same dude who went for 56 in game four of their first round matchup against the Bucks. And then chased it with 42 in their Game 5 series clincher and led the Heat to their Game 7 win over Boston. That same guy is catching all that heat from the hot takers today. The guy needs some help. All right? The guys that were undervalued, that nobody thought anything of, did what they could. But the guy needs some help. He needs another all-star caliber player. He needs somebody. And Bam is not enough. Himmy and Bam and that rotation need another star if they're going to rip that Larry O. It's not that difficult to read, right? Look at what a healthy all-star, non-all-star, and Jamal Murray did for the Joker this season. That's what the Heat lack. Anyway, same for Spo. Several times over the last few weeks, I've said, this guy right now is the gold standard of coaches in the NBA. I'm not coming off that. I'm not coming off that today. He is. This dude's brilliant. Even the untrained eye should be able to see that right now. The untrained eye. For real. No one in the history of the NBA. No coach. Nobody. Not Riley. Not Jackson. Not Pop. Nobody. Could have taken this Miami Heat squad and beaten this Denver Nuggets team. Ever. The Nuggets team just had a historic-ass run to the championship. They're a damn good team. Damn good team. Clearly in a league of their own. 
So, sorry. Sorry, but Giannis, in terms of this Heat team, it really is not a failure, big fella. Your squad, and Wisco fam, sorry about this, your season did end in failure. Giannis, you're the best guy ever, but your season did end in failure. Don't believe me? Ask Mike Budenholzer. Boston, half fam. Don't want you 100% pissed at me, half fam. Yes, your season ended in failure. That also was a failure. You had the more talented team on paper than the Heat. You underachieved. You see, sometimes in the sports world, the lava is fair. The Heat is fair. But not every single day and not every single time somebody loses. It's not as simple as plug, play, vomit. Plug, play, open mouth, diarrhea. Plug, play, spew garbage. And pay attention. Pay attention to the product and be fair. The only fair thing to say right now is the 2022-23 Miami Heat team is a team that overachieved, maximized what they had, outworked people, and that their culture is real. And all of that together was enough to get them to the finals, but not enough to win it all. I'm not saying in defeat they won. They lost in five. What I am saying is don't be lazy, don't vomit lava, and don't disrespect these guys. The better team won. Miami did everything they could. And they should be lauded for that. Believe me, man, they went a hell of a long way with what they had. A hell of a long way. Denver was the superior team. Don't be lazy. Don't be flabby with your takes. 1-800-636-8686. Still trying to figure out exactly what's going on with Buffalo Bills. At Pro Football Talk, had tweeted, per the Bills, Stephon Diggs was present on Monday. He was present on Tuesday morning. He left before the start of practice. Remember, the original tweet from Adam Schefter was, Bills head coach Sean McDermott told reporters today that he is, quote, very concerned, end of quote. The wide receiver Stephon Diggs is not at Buffalo's mandatory minicamp today. Not sure. So why did he answer that question the way he did? Because he didn't have to. A reporter said, how concerned? McDermott said, oh, very concerned. He could have said, you know, it's an internal matter. We're handling it. Any questions about practice? But in answering the question the way he did makes you wonder, what's the agenda? Oh, very concerned. Yeah, very concerned. Why? Is there an agenda? Are they trying to paint him in a bad light? I don't know why you'd want to do that. You need this guy. Or are they pissed? And what is Stephon Diggs not happy about? His contract? He got a new contract a year ago. Is it money or is it something else? Remember, it was not that long ago that he and Josh Allen were at odds on the sideline. But this is nothing unusual. You always see, quote, fiery competitors in the heat of the moment exchanging words. So what's going on here? I'm not going to contradict myself and open up my mouth and have diarrhea come out. Good night now!